Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of the Knowing God podcast, where we encourage those who know Father God and invite those who don't. For those of you who are new to the Knowing God podcast, we invite a guest in and we talk all about what it's like to know God. Can you actually know God? What does it feel like to know God? What difference does it make in our lives to know God? And we are thrilled today to be able to invite and have Mr. Putty Putman all the way from America. I I can't say he's flown in just for this podcast, but he is actually present and in the room and we have him here. We um, we had Putty and his team uh, with us last night for a, a, a fabulous evening down at the warehouse here in Ashford. But Putty, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. I've loved the time. So um, some people may not have heard of you. I mean, obviously you are a bit of a legend, but like, I mean, how far, how far does this legendary status go? So Putty Putman, I mean, first of all, let's go there. Putty Putman, is that your name? That is a wonderful question. Uh, I'm not sure what I think of the legend status, but we'll just push that aside and keep going. Um, It is not my legal name. Um, It is actually kind of a prophetic story. Um, it's, it, it began when I was in my early high school years. I, I grew up in a church that was a Baptist church. I wasn't familiar with the things of the spirit and I was helping lead in the junior high youth group. Um, the church had a youth group that was maybe 20, 30 kids. There were about half a dozen of us leaders and my birth name is Robert. And there were two of us that went by Rob on the leadership team. So after about three months or so, the youth pastor pulls me aside and says, I'm sick of asking for Rob and getting half my leadership team. I'm not going to call you Rob anymore. I'm going to call you Putty. I thought, okay, that's kind of interesting. I wonder what that's about. And he, he, he listed off a few reasons. My last name, I was into golf. Um, he said, but the real reason is because I see that you're like Putty in God's hands. And where there's a need, he just takes you and he molds you and he sticks you there. And then he takes you and he remolds you and he sticks you somewhere else. And I see that's what you like. And so for the first, I don't know, half dozen years or so, maybe even a dozen years, I just kind of thought, oh, it's kind of it's kind of neat. It's a little quirky, yeah. a little out of the box, kind of fits my personality. Uh, but with the benefit of hindsight, I can now look back and I can say, you know what? God does that sometimes. He, he goes to Abram and he says, I'm not going to call you Abram anymore. I'm going to call you Abraham. Uh, I'm not going to call you Simon anymore. I'm going to call you Peter. And uh, for whatever reason, I kind of got in on that as well. And so it's a, it's kind of a God renaming, even though I haven't changed the passport. <laughs> so, yeah. So does anyone actually still call you Rob at all? My mom. Your mom. <laughs> she's, she's literally, my mom and dad are literally the only two. My wife doesn't. My, yeah, yeah. My friends don't. Nobody, nobody else. I mean, my books are published under Putty. They're not, yeah, yeah. And your website, of course. Yes. PuttyPutman.com, is that You right? got it. Yeah, you got yeah, it. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Uh, and not many people have got that name, so that's, that's really good. <laughs> it's pretty unique, yeah. So um, can I ask then, j- jumping straight in, would you say that you know God? Um, I would say I walk with God. Uh, I, the more I know God, the less I feel like I know God. <laughs> if I can be blunt, like, like walking with God, so... Yes, I know God, but walking with God is not like walking with another person in a lot of ways. The more I get to know him, the more I realize he's not at all like me. And, and there's parts of him that are incredibly, like his character is incredibly constant, incredibly faithful, but his creativity knows no bounds. 
And so there's a part of walking with God that is incredibly consistent. And there's a part of walking with God that is never the same any 20 minute period in a row. And so I don't even know how to answer that question in all honesty. Do I know him? Kind of. But I also feel like I don't know him at all sometimes. <laughs> if so I you can... know him, but he constantly surprises you. That's a thing that's a good way to say that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to say that. So when were, when would you say you first became aware of um, a, a God, a, a, a something else out there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, I think it happened uh, in, in a bunch of stages over, over the period of my life. I had the benefit of growing up in a wonderful Christian home. And uh, there were a lot of very good things of faith, very consistent things of faith that were modeled to me. And so I think kind of the idea that God was real, I, I can't really imagine a time when I didn't kind of assume that. Um, and then as I came, actually here, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, here's, here's probably the, the, the clearest answer when God really began to become real to me. When I was about seven years old, my parents actually moved us to mainland China and we served as missionaries for a year. This was a profoundly, uh, impactful experience for me. And it, it played out in two different ways, both of which served to make God move from a sort of cosmic idea out there to something that felt like it was touching my life. Yeah. Um, the first was just the experience of being in China and experiencing other Christians in China. Um, it's a very different thing to, you know, be in your, be in your home and watch you know, a guest come to the apartment, watch my parents meet with them and talk with them and pray with them and pour into them. And then watch that person have to literally almost sneak out of the building because what they had just done was illegal. And if they got caught, they would probably go to jail. Watching people risk that level of risk for the benefit of their faith, even at a young age, you can't look at that and go, oh, I think this is all made up. Like, <laughs> like people don't take those kinds of risks on things, you know, and I'm watching these people. They're not delusional. They're not mental. Like, these are logical people. These are smart people. And they're, they're taking these extraordinary risks. And the only way I can process that is, like, they are getting something legitimate out of this. It is worth the risk to them. So that really, I think, uh, drove the authenticity of faith. Um, to me. But then what happens is after China, we come back um, because just truthfully, it was extraordinarily intense. It was too intense. Our family couldn't handle it. Um, we were uh, uh, in a city of, I want to say a million. There were a grand total of, I think, eight of us from the United States in that city. And, uh, you know, so even just the ability to speak English with someone else was something that for the better part of a year, I almost never got outside my family. So, I mean, and then you imagine the layers of like, you know, every food is different. You're constantly navigating language challenges and culture challenges and, uh, you know, just all of those layers. It was just very intense. So we come back and we experienced after returning from China, a kind of post-missionary 
semi-traumatic experience because I've got now all of this experience that, you know, I'm, I've lived in a third world country. I'm seeing people begging for a living on the side of the road. I'm, you know, all of that. And then I'm right back in the Chicago suburbs in middle-class America. And I don't have the language to express the confusion that's happening inside of me as I'm trying to reassimilate that. Um, and the truth is my parents are overwhelmed by their journey too. So they didn't have the emotional resources to be supportive. I step into a church. I step into a school where everybody has already got the pre-assembled relationship groups. And so I come back from China and I spend about 18 to 24 months wrestling with the most deep and complex set of things and feeling like I'm doing it completely alone. I'm not, my, my family can't really support. I don't have a friend group. I can't find a friend group. I don't even know how to put into words the things I'm trying to sort out within myself. And somehow in the midst of all of that, I began to reach out to Jesus. I mean, I just remember I, there were days I would come home from school. I'm like nine years old, you know, uh, racked with anxiety, racked with confusion. I would just go into the bathroom in my parents' home and I would close the door and I would just pray. I would say, Jesus, I do not know what to do. Like, I cannot do this. And in in those times, somehow, in some way, I would reach out to God, even though I didn't even know what that meant or looked like. And and I would feel him begin to, begin to come and be with me. And, and what did that feel like? Man, I don't even know. It was just this sense of um, a presence that just feel made me feel like somehow it's going to be okay. And it wasn't like the pain or the confusion left. It wasn't like I suddenly had answers to my questions. I didn't. And it was a hard, hard, long road. But it was like my heart would reach out to God and in some way, shape, or form, in some way, God would respond to my heart. And, and, and I would feel a, this still hurts, but it's going to be okay. Like, I will make it through this. And it wasn't me telling myself that. Yeah. It, was, it was like something, like somehow something is in this room with me telling me that. <laughs> and it felt concrete, felt real. Like, I would have said, like, Jesus is in this room with me somehow. And again, I'm looking back at my, you know, I'm eight years old, I'm nine years old. I don't even know how to describe that. I honestly don't even remember it terribly well at this point. But I do remember it was very real. It was very formational. It was like, felt like my whole world was falling apart. And the only thing I could reach to is Jesus. And I felt him respond in some, some real way, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it's worth... <clears throat> pointing out that you have a a, a doctorate in physics. That's is that, correct. Is that correct? So yep. you are, um, would you describe yourself, therefore, as a fairly logical person who's interested in physical matter? <laughs> I know physics gets <laughs> I more should into hope maths, so. but you, know, <laughs> you are, essentially, that makes you a scientist, right? Would, yeah, would, yeah, 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 absolutely. Definitely. So therefore, definitely. scientists, they love evidence. They love to be able to repeat things yeah. and, and see them established as, as fact. So right. this isn't like a, you're not a sort of a, a whimsical guy who like, oh, I just all felt a bit funny. and Right. So this it feels like it started to get 
somehow it started to get anchored in for you. And I, I, I can see, um, correct me if I'm wrong, almost like a potential, almost conflict for you of like, I have that scientist logical brain and I am feeling this that I'm actually struggling even to put words on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There can be, there can be a kind of interesting uh, duality, I suppose, to both of those, both of those realities. Um, as I've wrestled with that, um, and you're exactly right, to, to be slightly more specific even, just to sort of push the case that I am a legitimate scientist. Um, yes, I have a PhD in theoretical quantum physics, actually, uh, from one of the top universities in the world. In it. Uh, and I graduated on towards the top of my class. So um, I'm, a, I'm a legit fair scientist. I'll show you the thesis if you need to see it. <laughs> no, you're, you're fine. Um, I'll take your word for it. And uh, yeah, so, so the, yes, yeah, so like there, there is the rules of science and how science works, right? And as I've processed this, I get a lot of questions. People ask me because I, I do a lot of, I suppose, what we might call Holy Spirit ministry or supernatural ministry, prayer for healing or deliverance or prophecy or whatever. I do, I do, and I love all that stuff. And so there's a lot of people that come to me and they go, how do both those worlds make sense to you? Um, and it's a totally fair question because there are a lot of people that can't walk in both those worlds. Uh, one or the other fits, but not both. I believe in science, not God. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Right. Very, very common. Um, and, you know, as I've processed that and kind of wrestled with that, you know, my conclusion that I've come to is this. You know, if you... If you study um, fields of study, how fields of study work, any given field of study has um, a source of authority and it has a boundary that defines the field. Um, so in, in the case of science, the source of authority is repeatable experiments, right? We learn through the scientific method, you know, form a hypothesis, do a test, you know, collect our results, build our models. Um, and so the boundary of the field is essentially the things that we can do repeatable experiments on. Yes. Right? And once you've crossed outside the boundary of repeatable experiments, you may be doing things that might be inspired by science. You might be doing things that look like science. You're not actually doing science. And that's an important thing because there's not a lot of people that are crystal clear on that. <laughs> Science does have an ending point. Um, and as a result, it actually has things that it's qualified to speak to and things it's not qualified to speak to. Outside of that boundary, the source of authority, scientific study, or the scientific repeatable experiments and scientific method, outside of that boundary, that source of authority can't speak with credibility to things that live sort of outside that box. So can I ask, what? give us an example of something where you would say, well, science can't speak to that. That's be, it's beyond the boundary. Sure, right, yeah. Well, I would say this, you know, um, the, the other half of what I do, you know, the interacting with the spiritual realm and all of that, my paradigm for that comes from the biblical um, teaching that there is not just this natural world, but there also exists a spiritual world. And that the natural world and the spiritual world, uh, at times they intersect, they, they can clash and affect one another. I would say that anything in which an invisible spiritual world intersects our material reality 
is by definition not a repeatable experiment. Because we, we, can't, we can't account for the other half of the equation, the spiritual <laughs> half of the equation. We can set things up so that you know the material side is reproducible, but the spiritual side we can't set up in a reproducible kind of way. And so, you know, the way that the spiritual realm works and its intersection with our with our everyday concrete material lives, with which I believe it does, and, and I want to be clear on that, um, that's not something that you can use the scientific framework to analyze. Now, I think uh, it's not to say that there's not nothing that can be done. Um, you know, for example, we can do like large scale statistical studies and, and whatever. There's something. But what we can't do is drill down to like, if I pray like this, that will happen or something like that. That's just You can't do that because there's a whole set of quote unquote variables that you have no input on, no control, can't even measure um, but that doesn't mean they're not real. It just means you can't put it on a scale. And I think in general, that's sort of the, the place when it comes to boundaries, uh, or the boundaries of the field of, of science. You know, it, we don't even have to go to things like the supernatural. If we think about many of the things in our life that actually matter most to us, they don't fit within the realm of scientific parameters. How do you measure the extent to which someone lives with a sense of purpose? How do you measure the extent to which um, someone finds their relationships uh, meaningful and fulfilling? Um, you know, someone might say, well, you know, you can measure X brain chemical or, or whatever, Y or Z. And I would say, you're not actually measuring some like the extent of fulfillment, which you're measuring as some proxy. You're measuring some, yeah. you know, something that's somewhat related. <clears throat> yeah. But there's yeah, a yeah. lot of these things in our life, the things that really care, that we really care about, that really enrich our lives, things like love, things like sacrifice, things like um, integrity that transcend a material approach. And, and so that's why, for example, science has given us a lot of wonderful technology has enriched our lives in, in incredible meaningful ways i have no axe to grind with science i love science to this day it's beautiful but it doesn't give us those things for all of our iphones do we feel more enriched for all of our social media do we feel more loved for all of the amazon purchases we make do we feel more fulfilled it's actually not giving us those things and that's because that doesn't fit within that parameter so if that makes sense it does it does so knowing knowing God for you walking with God then what what would that look like for you in a in a day to day I guess if someone's saying well I can hear a scientist saying that there is there is a, a realm there is a there is a, a life beyond the boundary and there there are things that can intersect and interplay and I'm pick, personally I'm picturing like a Venn diagram of yeah, that's like, fair. There's this and there's this and then there's an overlap bit in the middle. Yeah. Um, and we love that overlap bit. That's a fun bit. Right there with you. But like, so what um, What does knowing God or walking with God or being surprised by God, what, is, what does that look like in your day to day? What difference does that make? Yeah, yeah. 
You know, um, I, I, I love this question. And as you were you're mentioning it, this may not be a direct answer, but maybe I'll start here and we'll see where it goes. Okay. <laughs> you said this was conversational, right? <laughs> um, you know, I found myself thinking about one of the things that I love, which is actually super applicable in both both areas, which is curiosity. For me, there's something about walking with God that just provokes a curiosity. And I think that curiosity can actually go into both of those fields. Um, I love learning about the way God left his fingerprints on the universe. That to me is what science is, actually. It's the studying the fingerprints that God left on the universe as he made it. Um, and I think it's fascinating. I think it's beautiful. I think it's incredible. But I also just love um, walking with a curiosity of the belief that that comes where it's like Jesus like I'm actually living my life with God like like there's moments where that that intersection happens that we love which you just talked about and I absolutely love those moments and those intersections are always surprising they're always unexpected they're never quite the same way twice and so there's this kind of like curiosity that I can bring into every day. Like, God, what, what are you up to today? Like you're, you're, you're insatiably curious. Uh, you're, or sorry, you're insatiably creative. And so I know you're up to something and he just relentlessly loves this world. So those, those little intersection points, they're actually constantly av uh, available. They're sort of, they're right there and something could happen or maybe it doesn't happen. But I think God sort of leans toward the world frequently. <laughs> And I think if we can keep a, a curious posture where we're curious about that leaning toward my, my world and my life, um, then we can catch it in the moment. We can, oh, that's a, that's a God moment. That's something where God's leaning towards this world. And, and then what happens is life, life all of a sudden kind of begins to feel more like an adventure, which for me is something I need. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm I don't fit well with what I think many people think of when they think of church. I don't fit well with like the dry, the discipline, the routine, the the regular. Though I understand there's actually tremendous value in those things. Like I and I don't want to downplay that value. It's just my personality is much more spontaneous and and whatever. Uh, I need something that feels like I wake up and I'm like, what's it going to be today? What's God going to be doing today? And um, for me, ever since I've begun to walk with the Lord in that kind of a way, I mean, that's genuinely been that. It's been years and years of that where I just spend myself often kind of pinching myself. Like, I can't believe I get to live this life with God. Like, like, this is actually, I think, what life's supposed to be like. Like, it's fun, it's exciting, it's scary, it's challenging, but it's ultimately actually fulfilling. Like, I, I don't spend many days kind of going like, man, I wish I had some sense of fullness and purpose in my life. I feel like I spend my days trying to keep up with God, <laughs> who's adding too much of those things into my life. <laughs> I've got this sense. fabulous quote by um, Callistos Ware. I think I think he is a, a leader in the Orthodox Church somewhere. Anyway, um, he says this: God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. Mm. I mm. love that. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. Beautiful. Isn't that great? Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. So life for you then is, 
sense of waking up each morning with adventure. Like, ooh, what's going to happen today? That thing. And obviously you have a diary and you have stuff and all yeah. that. But, um, but obviously you, uh, along with me, uh, um, we will meet people who they, they wake up and each day they're the closest thing they get to adventure would be surviving that day mm. because they maybe are just so down. They may be wrestling stuff through. They maybe are just in poverty, haven't got enough money, haven't got enough food. Um, maybe their marriage is breaking down or that kind of thing. Where, where does God fit in a sense of adventure in those contexts? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great question. Can I, can I ask maybe one clarifying question? Of course. Are these people that are knowing God at this point or not yet? Because I might answer a bit differently between those two. Let's go for... And we can maybe take them both. Both and both answers. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So let's start with someone who, who doesn't know God. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think maybe to the person who doesn't know God, I would be, I would be thinking along these lines. Um, it, yes. Uh, first of all, life, life can be really hard. <laughs> It can be really hard. It can be frustrating. It can be challenging. It can be depressing. And I don't know, maybe it's just the last two years, but it only feels like it's increasingly so. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that's lessening. Um, what I would say in in that, that kind of a context is I would say this. Look, I, to the core of my being, believe that God is real and that it's possible to walk with him. Now I know usually the first response that 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 kind of immediately comes up is well, but 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 how do I know? Or, or maybe you're delusional, or maybe you're whatever. Is okay, yeah, yeah, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. But hold on, let's just pause about this. Like let's just let's just think about like okay, let's what if God was real, and and like and actually God. You know, like, like, what if God's like, he actually exists? And what if that God who actually exists actually would be intersecting the world? How exciting would it be to be right in the middle of that? To, to be able to live your life in such a way where you can point, not, not to like, oh, God's out there somewhere, but no, 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 like, that moment, in that conversation, or in that way, God did something concrete that I can point to. I would tell you that that is exactly what my life feels like. <laughs> like, God is actually real. He's actually doing things. And that my life feels more like a set a, like a growing list of entries in a journal <laughs> where God stepped in that way. God stepped in that way. And it's not always in my life, you know, in the life of the people around me and, and whatever. But it's possible to live that way and to have that experience of life. And what I would say is, look, I understand, like all the questions are real. I get it. Like, I, I don't want to dismiss those. But I think my, my counter back might be this. I can't imagine that's not what you're looking for. That rich life where you go, oh my goodness. Like, I don't even know how it works. Like, 
Like, I think sometimes we get caught up on the wrong side of it. We get caught up on the, well, how do I know if it's God or if it's whatever and whatever. I say, don't worry about that side of it. Think about the richness of your life. Look at my life and the richness of my life because like maybe you should just be moving towards where the people are rich and fulfilled and happy. <laughs> and you can figure the God thing out along the way. Just, just spend some time looking into those people. Like it is possible to have a meaningful life, but it's not going to happen without God. We actually, this is actually the problem of the great failed secular experiment, that it's possible to have a rich and meaningful life without God. I, I think, I think what society showed us over the last couple hundred years is I'm not sure that's true. I think we tried. I think it's been mm. a big flop. Yeah. And I think we got a lot of people now trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces of their life and interestingly still aim at something that's Christian, but without Christ. Aim at a, a good society. Aim at um, loving relationships. Aim at justice and peace. All of these are Christian ideas. Uh, these are ideas that Christianity sowed into our culture, but we've removed Christ from the middle of it. So we're trying to create the kingdom of God without the king at the center. And... You get, when you try and do that, exactly what it sounds like. You move something from the center, it, then it's empty. <laughs> and that's yeah. what we have. Yeah. We have empty. So can I just take you back to, um, that's someone maybe who doesn't yet know God. Yeah. But what about those people who are not feeling that sense? Their, their adventure, like I say, is maybe just trying to get through. They've got chronic pain. They haven't yeah. got enough money. They their hearts are broken, etc., And they would say, well, I feel like I do know God, but I'm, I'm not really sensing that sense of adventure and I'm not really seeing him break in much for me. Yeah, yeah. I would say, first of all, I've spent a lot of years there. Please don't hear me saying that, like, there's never been moments where, you know, whatever. And, you know, I'm human. I have good days and bad days. You know, I, I don't want to paint an unrealistic picture. On the whole, I believe my life is what I've described. So I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to twist anything here, but I, I also don't want to say like, I'm perfect now. My life is flawless. <laughs> That's certainly not true. And, and it's interesting. I don't feel like I have less challenges. I just feel more fulfilled in my life with the presence of challenges still. Um, I would say, look, uh, first of all, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Um, I'd say that's anyone. Uh, I'm sorry that, that you're feeling that way. And I don't think that our life is supposed to feel that way. I think that there's, a, like, there's a reason why that doesn't feel right to us inside. Because it's actually not. Um, I would say, look, um, I believe that regardless of whatever our experience of our faith is, it could be better than what we're experiencing today. Agreed. <laughs> Regardless, even, I mean, even say that to the most incredible, you know, whoever person who's living their faith the most vibrantly on the entire planet. Somewhere, you know, somehow there's one person who's got that, that, it, even that person, it could be better. Because God is always bringing us from glory to glory. There's always more ahead of us. Um, you know, if, if faith, hope, and love are eternal, I think that somehow even continues through into the afterlife. I don't even know what that means, but I, I think, I think it means sort of like, you know, C.S. Lewis's great idea of like heaven and, and, and life with God is this always growing further up, further in dynamic reality, which I saw you have that quote downstairs, a number of those C.S. Lewis quotes, which <laughs> he's, it. he's the best, right? He's the best. <laughs> 
So I would say this, you know what? Your present reality is your present reality. What would it look like to try to take another step towards God and ask for more of that vibrancy, more of that fullness, more of that journey with the Lord? And and I would offer maybe a few concrete things. First of all, I would say this, you know, this is a person, first of all, why it's so good that we don't have to do this Christian faith journey thing alone. If you are struggling to have a vibrant relationship with God, why don't you find someone who does and try and just pull a little momentum off theirs for a little bit? <laughs> Often, that's the easiest way to grow is to get in the company of someone who, who is more like where you want to be and you'll find some of it actually just rubs off on you. <laughs> yeah, I'm tucking behind them in the slipstream. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. Get in the slipstream. So, I, you know, I would say that. I would say as well... You know, one of the things that that can hold us back and can make this whole thing hard is, you know, all of us come to our life, um, or come through our life, I should say, with bumps and bruises along the way, challenges and traumas and 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 painful events and and all of these things. If we don't walk through that stuff with the Lord, then what can happen is it can become this sort of big pile in the background. And eventually that pile can overwhelm us. And, 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 and when that pile overwhelms us, it often looks like, um, it looks like depression. It looks like anxiety. It looks like um, just heaviness. Um, sometimes it can actually be sort of the backlog of pain that we're carrying around from the past. And, you know, if that's the, the case for anyone, you know, who I'm engaging with, I would say, let's actually begin to process that with God. Like God can deal with that stuff. I, trust me, you're talking to the guy who processed what felt like his life blowing up at eight years old <laughs> in every conceivable way I can imagine and journeyed with the Lord through that and saw him turn that into something that didn't cripple my life, but strengthened my life. So I would say, man, take some, like, work with the Lord. Pray on that. Journal on that. Seek him in the scriptures on that. Like, sometimes the heaviness of this world just gets stacked on our shoulders, and it doesn't have to stay there, but it's not going to fall off automatically. Yeah. There's a process of, like, trading the world's yoke for Jesus' yoke. Um, and he says it's easy. He says burden's light, and that's true. But we have to put the yoke of the world off before we can put his yoke on sometimes. Um, and the last thing I would say is this, <clears throat> you know, if we're looking for adventure, there's no safe way to do adventure. <laughs> <laughs> there's no yeah. risk-free way to do adventure. And in fact, I think, I think the risk is what makes it thrilling in some ways. And, uh, you know, I think for a lot of us, we don't approach faith with the mindset that it should be risky. That it should be a little sort of on the edge and how's this going <laughs> to play out and where's this going to go? You know, like um, we sort of approach it with the opposite set of values that, you know, faith should be very stable and dependable and, and whatever. And and there's parts of it that are that too. So again, I don't want to throw that out. Well, but... based on his consistency, of course. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's precisely right. Um, but I would say, you know what, like what would it look like to begin to take more risks and, and sometimes I find if my life is feeling dry, it's actually because I'm not taking risks with God enough. 
<laughs> and they just take a few of those, and all of a sudden, life starts feeling pretty exciting again. <laughs> um, I had a time in the church uh, that I'm presently working in. I'm, I'm kind of doing an interim role with a church that's just kind of starting to come into the things of the kingdom. So in a really interesting, um, really interesting journey, it's a church in a very wealthy area in, in Chicago. The average home price in the community that we're in is actually over a million dollars. Very, very wealthy. And I'm, I'm, I'm teaching one morning on, on generosity and giving and how we can actually join into God giving to the world and how our generosity is supposed to sort of merge in with the flow of his generosity. And that when that happens, it's not just that we're, you know, allocating resources somewhere, but we're joining the resource flow of heaven. And as we join the resource flow of heaven, we can expect to see it kind of pay off forward. And usually it actually pays off backward to us as well. So I'm teaching all this. And um, this is, uh, I want to say, maybe late November, a couple of months ago. And as we're closing the service off, I just have this—I just have the sense of that there's somebody in the room who has been looking at Christmas coming up, and has been saying, "I don't know that we're gonna be able to afford to do Christmas this year." So I try and push it off. I push it off because I'm like, I'm in a room full of people who—that's the furthest thing than their reality, you know. But I try and push it off, push it off, but I, I can't push it off. So uh, at the close of the service, I kind of go up there and I just sort of stumble my way through. I know this is sort of different and weird, but, you know, because they're also still kind of getting used to this kind of thing. <laughs> but I say, hey, you know, is there somebody in here for the last couple of weeks who's been looking at Christmas and has enough financial challenges that they're going, I just don't know that I can afford to do Christmas. Now, this isn't a huge stacked room. There's probably 40 people in the room, so... You know, I, I kind of put that out there and, you know, I get these looks back like that thought has never anywhere near occurred to me, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, this moment is so painful. You know, all these people who have way more money than I'll ever have are looking at me like that can even happen. And, but I, I just, I feel it's the Lord. So I hold this moment open and I'm like, oh, this is so hard. This is so hard. And so I'm like, anybody? And I kind of turn around and I look at the worship team over my shoulder. I'm looking back at the room and I'm kind of thinking like, oh Lord, please do something. And it's painful and it's scary and it's hard, but this is what adventure feels like on the front side at least. And then after what felt like 15 minutes, although it was probably like 30 seconds, but what felt like 15 minutes, this guy behind me who's on the worship team says, yeah, that's me. And I said, okay, come on, come on down here, come on down here. So he comes up in front and I said, okay, guys, we just talked about this. This is where God is giving right here in this moment. This is the resource flow of heaven. I said, if you want to join God in his giving, then come up and give him money right now. And after about five seconds of like, did, did he really just say that? Is this really just happening? <laughs> people, people start coming up and they just start dropping cash and checks and stuff in his hands. He's got this pile of it. He just breaks down crying. I mean, he has thousands of dollars. Wow. He breaks down crying and he kind of doesn't know what to do. And so he's kind of trying to like mumble his way through it. And of course the whole congregation was like, it, I mean, he just got electric because that's what happens when God's reality starts breaking in. Like the rules are now breaking. This is not what people do with money. 
This is what the kingdom does with money. And so it's like, there's this electricity in the air. He's crying. He's like, I love this church, and this is where I belong. <laughs> Everybody in the church is like, this is what Jesus does. This is so beautiful. And so he's and like, just and you're totally... Like, Thank God. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We did it. You're so good, God, right? Why did I ever doubt you? And it's not him, actually, that I doubt. It's me now. It's like, I, am I hearing him right and all that? But, but what was cool was... First of all, that was a stupid risk. I felt really weak and vulnerable in the moment. But then when God showed up, it was incredible. And everybody knew it was God. And then what was so cool is I had people coming up to me afterwards. Hey, on Tuesday this week, God told me to give money to that person. So I just gave him money. And I'm hearing stories left and right. This one couple comes up to me and they go, Hey, I, um, we, uh, we gave money to three people this week. <laughs> And I said, that's what we're talking about. That's yeah. it right there. And then actually that couple, a couple of weeks later, the Lord gave them a raise and they were able to buy a house earlier than they thought they could buy. You know, so there's these like waves that roll their way forward. And all the while, it's in the middle of that where you go, oh my goodness, this is God. You know, it's like from that moment, you know, those people then started taking risks to follow God with their money. And then God gives them a, a salary and now they have a house so that when they can have a kid, which that's their next step, now they've got a house for their kid. And, you know, of course, and the other thing is nice, the house is a little closer to the church. So it's like you look at all this, you go, wow, this is, this is what that life with God is. But it doesn't happen if you're not willing to put yourself on the edge of that risk. Yeah. And yeah. so maybe take more risks. Spice it up a little bit. Putty is honestly, it's just been a joy. Uh, I've loved it. We could go on forever, but um, we could, I can uh, tell. Yeah, no, we could, come on, um, we're just getting going. <laughs> come on, uh, but we, we need to we need to wrap it up there. But before we go, can I ask, please, that you just pray for us? Oh, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Oh, Jesus, I just, I just want to say you are so good. It is such a pleasure, it's so fun to do life with you, God. And God, you know, each and every one of us, as we're listening to this, we're in different places, God. Some of us know you, maybe some of us don't. <laughs> some of us feel like we're walking in a vibrant relationship with you. Some of us, we feel like it's dry, <laughs> it's flat. <laughs> we're just going through the motions. Uh, Lord, some of us are confused. Some of us are excited. Some of us, we're all over the place. Uh, but God, I just thank you. You see and you know every single one of us. And yes. you know exactly the next step for us. You know exactly what you've made us for. You know exactly how you want to speak to us and lead us and guide us. And you know exactly the adventure that you're inviting each and every one of us into. And so wherever everyone is at, I just bless that sort of spirit of the God adventure. <laughs> I bless it. If you don't know God, I just say, God, would you start showing up in their lives in ways that is undeniably you? <laughs> Step into their life and make it an adventure, God. Um, that they may begin to feel just the rich and fullness and satisfyingness of walking with you and how yes. incredible that can be. Uh, God, for, for, for those of us who are, who are trying to follow you, but it just feels flat, uh, God, I ask you just begin to speak in a way that it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I know this is God. I might be afraid to do it, but, <laughs> but I know this is God. And so I ask that you speak clearly and that you grant the courage to take the risks that adventure requires. 
Um, and Lord, to people who are confused right now or, or navigating life change or, or on the adventure but needing an extra dose of you to keep staying on the adventure, um, I just ask you to draw near to their lives in a fresh way, that you'd lean toward their world today. Um, and that in that, God, the, that the fresh God adventure would just kind of be sparked in their life afresh. Um, God, I thank you that like you are so good and every day we just get to discover more of your goodness and there's never an end to it. Like we're never going to hit the bottom of the barrel. There's always something more. <laughs> the adventure always grows more and more. And so I just bless that spirit of the God adventure on each and every person in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Putty, thank you so, so much. Uh, it's been absolutely fabulous. Thank you also for joining us on this podcast uh, whenever you are listening to it. And if you want to get in touch, if anything that has been said today you've got as cause questions, then uh, do just get in touch. In fact, you know what? Email me directly. It's chris at ashfordvineyard.org. I would love to hear from you um, and we would love to invite you into more. So enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you are up to, and we will see you again very soon.